0: Hello everyone, and welcome back to another episode of The World of Percy Jackson. Today, we are going to read chapters 5 and 6. In the previous episode, we read chapters 3 and 4, and Leo got claimed by Hephaestus, which is really cool, as Hephaestus is the forgery master. Jason and Piper have still yet to be claimed, but something interesting happened last chapter where Rachel, who is the new oracle, returned to camp, and along with Annabeth and Piper, went into... went into Hera's cabin to see a shocking sight. Rachel and a statue of Hera got up, both got up, and started to speak at the same time, where they revealed that Piper has to save someone or else the earth would swallow them. Maybe it's the reference to Gaia? Maybe Gaia has something to do with this prophecy, probably. We'll have to see if we get more info on this when we read chapter 5, Leo leo's tour was going great until he learned about the dragon the archer dude will Solis, seemed pretty cool everything he showed leo was so amazing it should have been legal real greek warships moored at the beach that sometimes had practice fights with flaming arrows and explosives sweet arts and crafts sessions where you can make sculptures with chainsaws and blowtorches leo was like sign me up The woods were stocked with dangerous monsters, and no one should ever go in there alone? Nice! And the camp was overflowing with fine-looking girls. Leo didn't quite understand the whole related to the gods business, but he hoped that didn't mean he was cousins with all these ladies. That would suck, at the very least. He wanted to check out those underwater girls in the lake again. They were definitely worth drowning for. Will showed him the cabins, the dining pavilion, and the sword arena. Do I get a sword? Leo asked. Will glanced at him like he found the idea disturbing. You'll probably make your own, seeing as you're how you're in Cabin 9. Yeah, what's up with that? Vulcan? Usually, we don't call the gods by their Roman names. Will said, the original names are Greek. Your dad is Hephaestus. Festus? Leo had heard somebody say that before, but he was still dismayed. Sound like the god of cowboys. He, Festus. Will corrected. God of blacksmiths and fire. Leo had heard that too, but he was trying not to think about it. The god of fire? Seriously? Concerning what had happened to his mom, that seemed like a sick joke. So the flaming hammer over my head, Leo said. Good thing or bad thing? Will, Will took a while to answer. You were claimed almost immediately. That's usually good. But that rainbow pony dude, Butch, he mentioned a curse. Ah, look, it's nothing. Since Cabin Nine's last head counselor died. Died? Like, painfully? I ought to let your bunkmates tell you about it. Yeah, where are my home dogs? Shouldn't their counselor be giving me the VIP tour? He, um, can't. You'll see why. Will forged ahead before Leo could ask anything else. Curses and death. Leo said to himself, this just gets better and better. He was halfway across the green when he spotted his old babysitter. And she was not the kind of person he he expected to see at this demigod camp. Leo froze in his tracks. What's wrong? Will asked. Tia Kalita. Auntie Kalita. Th- that's what she'd called herself. But Leo hadn't seen her since he was five years old. She was just standing there. In the shadow of a big white cabin at the end of the green watching him. She wore her black linen widow's dress with a black shawl pulled over her hair. Her face hadn't changed. Leathery skin, piercing dark eyes. Her withered hands were like claws. She looked ancient, but no different than Leo remembered. That old lady. Leo said, what's she doing here? Will followed, tried to follow his gaze. What old lady? Dude, the old lady, the one in black. How many old ladies do you see over there? will frowned i think you've had a long day leo the mist could be still playing tricks on your mind how about we head straight to your cabin now leo wanted to protest but when he looked back toward the big white cabin tia Kalida was gone he was sure she'd been there almost as if thinking about his mom had summoned Kalida back from the past and that wasn't good because tia Kalida had tried to kill him just messing with you man Leo pulled some gears and levers from his pocket and started fiddling with them to calm his nerves. He couldn't have had everybody at camp, thinking he was crazy, at least not crazier than he really was. "'Let's go see Cabin 9,' he said. "'I'm in the mood for a good curse.'" From the outside, the Hephaestus cabin looked like an oversized RV with shiny metal walls and metal slatted windows. The entrance was like a bank vault door, circular and several feet thick— It opened with lots of brass gears turning and hydraulic pistons blowing smoke. Leo whistled. They got a steampunk theme going on, huh? Inside the cabin seemed deserted. Steel bunks were folded against the walls like high-tech Murphy beds. Each had a digital control panel, blinking LED lights, glowing gems, and interlocking gears. Leo figured each camper had his own combination lock to release his bed. And there was probably an alcove behind it with storage, maybe some traps to keep out unwanted visitors. At least that's the way Leo would have designed it. A fire pole came down from the second floor, even though the cabin didn't seem to have a second floor from the outside. A circular staircase led down to some kind of basement. The walls were lined with every kind of power tool Leo could imagine. Plus, a huge assortment of knives, swords, and other implements of destruction. A large workbench overflowed with scrap metal, screws, bolts, washers, nails, rivets, and a million other machine parts. Leo had a strong urge to shovel them all into his coat pockets. He loved that kind of stuff, but he needed a hundred more coats to fit it all. Looking around, he could almost imagine he was back in his mom's machine shop. Not the weapons, maybe, but the tools, the piles of scrap, the smell of grease and metal and hot engines. She would've loved this place. He pushed that thought away. He didn't like painful memories. Keep moving. That was his motto. Don't dwell on things. Don't stay in one place too long. It was the only way to stay ahead of the sadness. He picked a long implement from the wall. A weed whacker? What's the god of fire want with a weed whacker? A voice in the shadows said, You'd be surprised. At the back of the room, one of the bunk beds was occupied. A curtain of dark camouflage material retracted, and Leo could see the guy who had been invisible a second before. It was hard to tell much about him because he was covered in in a body cast. His head was wrapped in gauze except for his face, which was puffy and bruised. He looked like the Pillsbury Doughboy after a beatdown. "'I'm Jake Mason,' the guy said. "'I'd shake your hand, but... "'Yeah,' Leo said. "'Don't get up.' The guy cracked a smile, then winced like it hurt to move his face. Well, Leo wondered what had, what had happened to him, but he was afraid to ask. "'Welcome to Cabin 9. Been almost a year since we had any new kids. I'm head counselor for now.' "'For now?' Will's soul has cleared his throat. "'So where is everybody, Jake?' "'Down at the forges,' Jake said wistfully. "'They're working on, you know, that problem.' "'Oh. "'Will changed the subject. "'So you got a spare bed for Leo?' Jake studied Leo, sizing him up. You believe in curses, Leo? Or ghosts? I just saw my evil babysitter, Tia Kalida. Leo thought, she's got to be dead after all these years, and I can't go a day without remembering my mom in that machine shop fire. Don't talk to me about ghosts, doughboy. But aloud, he said. Ghosts? Nah, I'm cool. A storm spirit chucked me down the Grand Canyon this morning, but you know, all in a day's work, right? Jake nodded. "'That's good, because I'll give you the best bed in the cabin, Beckendorf's.' "'Whoa, Jake,' Will said. "'You sure?' Jake called out. "'Bunk 1A, please.' The whole cabin rumbled. A circular section of the floor spiraled open like a camera lens, and a full bed popped up. The bronze frame had a built-in game station at the footboard, a stereo system in the headboard, a glass door refrigerator mounted into the base. And a whole bunch of control plant panels running down the side. Leo jumped right in and lay back with arms behind his head. I can handle this. It retracts into a private room below. Jake said, Oh, heck yes. Leo said, See y'all, I'll be down in the Leo cave. Which button do I press? Hold on. Will Solis pr- protested. You guys have private underground rooms? Jake probably would have smiled if it didn't hurt so much. We got lots of secrets, Will. You Apollo guys can't have all the fun. Our campers have been excavating the tunnel system under Cabin 9 for almost a century. We still haven't found the end. Anyway, Leo, if you don't mind sleeping in a dead man's bed, it's yours. Suddenly, Leo didn't feel like kicking back. He sat up, careful not to touch any of the buttons. The counselor who died? This was his bed? Yeah, Jake said. Charles Beckendorf. Leo imagines saw blades coming through the mattress, or maybe a grenade sewn inside the pillows. He didn't, like, die in this bed, did he? No, Jake said. In the Titan War, last summer. The Titan War, Leo repeated, which has nothing to do with this very fine bed. The Titans, Will said, like Leo was an idiot. The big, powerful guys that ruled the world before the gods. They tried to make a comeback last summer. Their leader, Kronos, built a new palace on top of Mount Tam in California. The armies came to New York and almost destroyed Mount Olympus. A lot of demigods died trying to stop them. I'm guessing this wasn't on the news, Leo said. seemed like a fair question, but Will shook his head in disbelief. You didn't hear... About Mount St. Helens erupting, or the freak storms across the country, or the building collapsing in St. Louis, Leo shrugged. Last summer, he'd been on the run from another foster home, another foster home. Home. Then a truancy officer caught him in New Mexico, and the court sentenced him to near to the nearest correctional facility, the Wilderness School. Guess I was busy. Doesn't matter, Jake said. You were lucky to miss it. The thing is. Beckendorf was one of the first casualties and ever since then your cabin's been cursed leo guessed jake didn't answer then again the dude was in a body cast that was an answer leo started noticing little things that he hadn't seen before an explosion mark on the wall a stain on the floor that might have been oil or blood broken swords and smashed machines kicked out and into the corners of the room maybe out of frustration that place did feel unlucky jake sighed half-heartedly well i should get some sleep i hope you like it here leo it used to be really nice he closed his eyes and the camouflage curtain drew itself across the bed come on leo will said i'll take you to the forges as they were leaving leo looked back at his new bed and he could almost imagine a dead counselor sitting there another ghost who wasn't going to leave leo alone and that is the end of chapter five. That was interesting I that Leo is getting Beckendorf's bed. Maybe Leo might be able to break the curse, you know. Maybe since nobody occupied the bed, the curse kept going on. So maybe with impossible, hopefully with Leo occupying that bed, I hope that the curse is broken and, you know, the Hephaestus cabin can return to the lucky part of it. Rather than the unlucky part. But yeah, let's. After this break, we'll read chapter six Leo. And we're back from the ads, and now we're gonna read chapter six Leo. How did he die? Leo asked. I mean, Beckendorf. Will Solis trudged ahead. Explosion. Beckendorf and Percy Jackson blew up up a cruise ship full of monsters. Beckendorf didn't make it out. There was that name again. Percy Jackson, Annabeth's missing boyfriend. That guy must have been into everything around here, Leo thought. So Beckendorf was pretty popular? Leo asked. I mean, before he blew up? He was awesome, Will agreed. It was hard on the whole camp when he died. Jake... He became head counselor in the middle of the war. Same as I did, actually. Jake did his best, but he never wanted to be leader. He just likes building stuff. Then after the war, things started to go wrong. Cabin 9's chariots blew up. Their automatons went haywire. Their inventions started to malfunction. It was like a curse, and eventually, people started calling it that. The curse of Cabin 9. Then Jake had his accident, which had something to do with the problem he mentioned. Leo guessed. ''They're working on it,'' Will said without enthusiasm. ''And here we are.'' The forge looked like a steam-powered locomotive that had smashed into the Greek Parthenon and they had fused together. White marble columns lined the suit-stained walls, chimneys pumped-smoked over an elaborate gable carved with a bunch of gods and monsters. The building sat at the edge of a stream, with several water wheels turning a series of bronze gears. Leo heard machinery grinding inside, fires roaring, and hammers ringing on anvils. They stepped through the doorway, and a dozen guys and girls who had been working on various projects all froze. The noise died down to the roar of the forge and the click-click-click of gears and levers. ''Sup, guys?'' Will said, ''This is your new brother, Leo.'' ''Um, what's your last name?'' ''Valdez.'' Leo looked around at the other campers. ''Was he really related to all of them?'' His cousins came from some big families, like, but he just always just had his mom until she died. Kids came up and started shaking hands and introducing themselves. Their names blurred together Shane, Christopher, Nyssa, Harley. Yeah, like the motorcycle. Leo knew he'd never keep everybody straight. Too many of them. Too overwhelming. None of them looked like the others. All different face types skin, tone, hair color, height you never think, hey, look, it's the Hephaestus Bunch. Because, but they all had powerful hands, rough with calluses and stained with engine grease. Even little Harley, who couldn't have been more than eight, looked like he could go six rounds with Chuck Norris without breaking a sweat. And all the kids shared a sad kind of seriousness. Their shoulders slumped like life had beaten them down pretty hard. Several looked like they'd been physically beaten up, too. Leo counted two arm slings, one pair of crutches, an eye patch, six ace bandages, and about 7,000 band aids. Well, all right, Leo said. I hear this is the party cabin. Nobody laughed. They all just stared at him. Will Solis patted Leo's shoulder. I'll leave you guys to get acquainted. Somebody show Leo to dinner when it's time? I got it, one of the girls said. Nissa, Leo remembered. She wore camo pants, a tank top that showed off her buff arms, and a red bandana over the mop of dark hair. Except for the smiley face band-aid on her chin, she looked like one of those female action heroes. Like any second she was gonna grab a machine gun and start mowing down evil aliens. Cool, Leo said. I've always wanted a sister who can beat me up. Nissa didn't smile. Come on, Joker boy, I'll show you around. Leo was no stranger to workshops. He'd grown up around grease monkeys and power tools. His mom used to joke that his first pacifier was a lug wrench, but he'd never seen any place like the Camp Forge. One guy was working on a battle axe. He kept testing the blade on a slab of concrete. Every time he swung, the axe cut into the slab, like it was warm cheese. But the guy looked unsatisfied and went back to honing the edge. What's he planning to kill with that thing? Leo asked Nyssa. A battleship? You never know, even with celestial bronze. That's the metal? She nodded. Mine from Mount Olympus itself. Extremely rare. Anyway, it usually disintegrates monsters on contact, but big, powerful ones have notoriously tough hides. Dracons, for instances. You mean dragons? Similar species. You'll learn the difference in monster fighting class. Monster fighting class. Yeah, I already got my black belt in that. She didn't crack a smile. Leah hoped she wasn't this serious all the time. His dad's side of the family had to have some sense of humor, right? They passed a couple of guys making a bronze wind-up toy. At least that's what it looked like. It was a six-inch tall half-man half-horse armed with a miniature bow. One of the campers cranked the centaur's tail and it whirred to life. It galloped across the table yelling, DIE MOSQUITO, DIE MOSQUITO, and shooting everything in sight. Apparently, this had happened before because everybody knew to hit the floor except Leo. Six needle-sized arrows embedded themselves in his shirt before a camper grabbed a hammer and smashed the centaur to pieces. Stupid curse. The camper waved his hammer at the sky. I just want a magic bug killer. Is that too much to ask? Ouch, Leo said. Nissa pulled the needles out of his shirt. Ah, you're fine. Let's move on before they rebuild it leo rubbed his chest as they walked that sort of thing happened a lot lately nissa said everything we build turns to junk the curse nissa frowned i don't believe in curses but something's wrong and if we don't figure out the dragon problem it's going to get even worse the dragon problem leo hoped she was talking about a miniature dragon maybe one that killed cockroaches but he got the feeling he wasn't going to be so lucky Nissa took him over to a big wall map that a couple of girls were studying. The, camp- the map showed the camp, a semicircle of land with Long Island South a sound on the North Shore, the woods to the west, the cabins to the east, and a ring of hills to the south. It's got to be in the hills, the first said. girl said. We've looked in the hills, the second argued. The woods are a better hiding place, but we already said traps. Hold up leo said you guys lost a dragon a real full-size dragon it's a bronze dragon nissa said but yes it's a life-size automaton Hephaestus' cabin built it years ago then it was lost in the woods until a few summers back when beckendorf found it in pieces and rebuilt it it's been helping protect the camp but um it's a little unpredictable unpredictable leo said it goes haywire and smashes down cabins Sets people on fire, tries to eat the satyrs? That's pretty unpredictable. Nissa nodded. Beckendorf was the only one who could control it. Then he died, and the dragon could just go worse and worse. Finally, when Berserkin ran off, occasionally it shows up, demolishes something, and runs away again. Everyone expects us to find it and destroy it. Destroy it, Leo was appalled. You've got a life-sized bronze dragon and you want to destroy it? It breeds fire. Nissa explained. It's deadly and out of control. But it's a dragon, dude. That's so awesome. Can't you try talking to it, controlling it? We tried. Jake Mason tried. You saw how well that worked. Leah thought about Jake. Wrapped in a body cast, lying alone on his bunk. Still, there's no other option. Nissa turned to the other girls. Let's try more traps in the woods. Here, here, and here. Bait them with dirty weight motor oil. The dragon drinks that? Leo asked. Yeah, Nia, Nia, Nissa sighed regretfully. He used to like it bef- with a little tobacco Tabasco sauce right before bed. If he springs a trap, we can come in with acid sprayers. Should melt through his hide. Then we get metal color cutters and finish the job. They all looked sad. Leo realized that they didn't want to kill the dragon any more than he did. Guys, he said, there has to be another way. Nissa looked doubtful, but a few other campers stopped what they were working on and drifted over to hear the conversation. "'Like what?' one asked. "'The thing breeds fire. We can't even get close.' "'Fire?' Leo thought. "'Oh man, the things he could tell them about fire.' But he had to be careful. Even if these were his brothers and sisters, especially if he had to live with them. "'Well,' he hesitated. Hephaestus is the god of fire, right? "'So don't you have any, like, fire resistance or something?' Nobody acted as if it was a crazy question, which was a relief. Manissa shook her head gravely. That's a cyclops ability, Leo. Demigod, children of Festus, we're just God good with our hands. We're builders, craftsmen, weapons, smiths, stuff like that. Leo's shoulders slumped. Oh. A guy in back said, well, a long time ago. Yeah, okay, Nissa conceded. A long time ago, some children of Hephaestus were born with power over fire, but that ability was very, very rare and always dangerous. No demigod like that has been born in centuries. The last one, she looked at one of the other kids for help. 1666, the girl offered, guy named Thomas Fainor. He started the Great Fire of London, destroyed most of the city. Right, Nissa said. When a child of a Festus like that appears, it usually means something catastrophic is about to happen, and we don't need any catastrophes. Leo tried to keep his face clear of emotion, which wasn't his strong suit. I guess I see your point. Too bad, though. If you could resist flames, you could get close to the dragon. Then it would kill you with its claws and fangs, Nissa said, or simply step on you. <clears throat> step on you? No. We've got to destroy it. Trust me, if anyone could figure out another answer. She didn't finish, but Leo got the message. This was the cabin's big test. If they could do something only Beckendorf could do, if they could uh, subdue the dragon without killing it, then maybe their curse would be lifted. But they were stumped for ideas. Any camper who figured out how would be a hero. hero. A conch horn blew in the distance. Campers started putting up their tools and projects. Leo hadn't realized it was getting so late, but he looked through the windows and saw the sun going down. His ADHD did that to him sometimes. If he was bored, a 55-minute class seemed like six hours. If he was interested in something, like touring a demigod camp, hours slipped away and BAM! The day was over. Dinner, Nissa said. Come on, Leo. Up at the pavilion, right? Yes. She nodded. You guys go ahead, Leo said. Can you give me a second? nissa hesitated then her expression softened sure it's a lot to process i remember my first day come up with when you're ready just don't touch anything almost every project in here can kill you if you're not careful no touching leo promised his cabin mates filled out of the filled out of the forge soon leo was alone with the sounds of the bellows the water reels and the small machines clinking and whirring He stared at the map of camp, the locations where his newfound siblings were going to put traps to catch a dragon. It was wrong, Plain wrong. Very rare, he thought, and always dangerous. He held out his hand and studied his fingers. They were long and thin, not callous like the other Hephaestus campers. Leo had never been the biggest or the strongest kid. He'd survived in tough neighborhoods, tough schools, tough foster homes, but using his wits, he was a class clown, the court jester, because he'd learned early that if you crack jokes and pretend you weren't scared, you usually didn't get beat up. Even the baddest gangster kids would tolerate you, keep you around for laughs. Plus, humor was a good way to hide the pain. And if that didn't work, it was always plan B. Run away. Over and over. There was a plan C, but he, never, he promised himself never to use it again. He felt an urge to try now, something he hadn't done since the accident since mom's death he extended his fingers and felt like felt them tingle like they're waking up pins and needles then flames flickered to life curls of red hot fire dancing across his palm and that is the end of chapter six before i go on to read a little bit of chapter seven to see what we have for next week wow So the last person who got fire powers was 1666. And then Leo is the person right after that to ever get fire powers. That's probably the reason why... Maybe that's the cause of the fire in his mom's shop. That probably is. He probably couldn't control it. And that led to some unfortunate experiences. But hopefully in this camp he can learn how to control his powers and finally beat the dragon and maybe maybe if the curse will be lifted but we will see about we will see hopefully that leo gets to be the savior and now we'll read a little bit of chapter 7 to see what we have chapter 7 jason as soon as jason saw the house he knew he was a dead man here we are drew said cheerfully The Big House, Camp Headquarters. It didn't look threatening, just a four-story manor painted baby blue with white trim. The wraparound porch had lounge chairs, a card table, and an empty wheelchair. Wind chimes shaped like nymphs turned into trees as they spun. Jason could imagine old people coming here for summer vacation, sitting on the porch and sipping prune juice while they watched the sunset. Still, the windows seemed to glare down at him like angry eyes. The wide-open doorway looked ready to swallow him. On the highest g- gable, a bronze eagle weather vane spun in the wind and pointed straight in his direction, as if telling him to turn around. Next week, we will continue this chapter of Chapter Seven through Eight, and we will see if we get to see, we will see if Leo gets to finally handle how to control his powers. Because that can be a huge help if Leo is able to control his powers. But until then, stay safe and stay out of boredom.